remember lesson about balance. Yeah. A lesson not just karate only. Lesson for whole life. Whole life. Have a balance. Everything be better. Understand? <laughs> yeah, I understand. Oh, wow. You're the best friend I ever had. Pretty okay, too. Karate. Yeah. Five. Six. Seven. Run from books. Eight. What was that you were doing on those stumps over there? All grain technique. Does it work? If to right, lock and defense. Could you teach me? I first learn stand, then learn fly. Nature rule, Danielson. Not the mind. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, wax off. Breathe in through nose, out the mouth. Fear the sun is dead. It is no joke. No, Sensei! Hey, the sun is dead. It is no joke. No, Sensei! So how do I know if my picture's the right one? If come from inside you, always right on. Welcome to Soup Delay Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Macmasunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great, guys. And I know what you're thinking. What's going on with this little episode? Well, here's the thing. Jameson and I, we wanted to uh, showcase the exclusive interview that STL had with uh, two film icons, Billy Zapka and Martin Cove. They are friends of the podcast. Uh, We were honored to have them join us and for taking the 100th episode to a whole new level. It was exciting. And I want to thank everybody for their feedback on the 100th episode so far. It's been real encouraging. It's been real exciting to hear your thoughts and just how much you enjoyed the interview. Now, this is for everybody out there who may have heard the interview already and you want other people to hear this, but Maybe you don't want to have your friends and family have to fast forward through the 100th episode. This is for them. This is for everybody out there to please share this with all your friends, with all your family, your your colleagues at work. Anybody who's a a fan of the Karate Kid and just loves Billy Zapka and Martin Cove, just say, hey, there's this awesome interview over at STL Podcast. It was an exclusive interview for the 100th episode. Go check it out, and that's what this episode's for. And I'll be honest with you. I mean, it, it, you know, this should have been the 100th episode. I mean, come on. But, hey, I was so overwhelmed with what happened, so much excitement. It really didn't hit me till a few days later, so I apologize that I didn't make this the 100th episode and then, you know, release the rest of the review as episode 101. But, hey, we all make mistakes. We're all human. So here you go. So I hope you enjoy this interview, if you haven't heard it yet, and if you have heard it, please let everybody know about it. That would be so exciting because I want as many people out there to hear this interview. So we hope you enjoy and have a blast. And you guys take care. We'll catch you on the next episode. Masunas out. All right, Michael. This is Billy Zapka. I have a surprise guest on the other line. Oh. Sensei Marco. Hey, uh, are you sweeping your leg? Are you having no mercy on people? What's going on with you? Oh my gosh! Awesome. Hey guys, this is my uh, co-host Jameson. How and uh, thank you so much for coming on. And we were just talking about you, uh, Mr. Crease, and uh, about the Cobra Kai when we first meet you in, in the uh, when you're you know no mercy, sir. Oh, so awesome. Yeah, well, it's an iconic movie, and you know my hero Billy Zapka stars in it, and he's the best. So how how are you guys doing? How's life been? What tell us what's going on? Um, well, we're doing good. Why don't you tell us what you're doing there, buddy? Uh, well, we're um, you know this is the hundredth episode. Uh, you know, The Karate Kid is my favorite movie of all time. I've seen it over five hundred times. You know, I this has been my life lesson, and I purposely when I started this podcast made sure that this would be. The movie that I would say for the 100th episode, I wanted to have a few years experience and get a fan base and everything. And this is the one that the fans have been waiting for. And when they found out that, you know, you, Billy, would be on, they have been extremely ecstatic. And and my co-host here, you know, he uh, he loves the Karate Kid just as much as I do. 
And uh, it's phenomenal that you guys would take the time out of your day just to, to come on. I, I, it's a dream come true. So. Right on, man. Well, thank you very much, man. We've, uh, I got Marty on the phone for the honors of your 100th episode. Congratulations on your work on that. And uh, since it was sweep the leg, I had, to get, I had to get Sensei on the line. So he can't stay with us too long. So if you have any questions for him, why don't you ask him right now, and then he'll have to go, and I'll finish up with you, buddy. All right. Sounds good. Uh, so what have you been up to? Uh, Right, right, I'm, right now I'm on the chiropractic table getting a nice massage. Because <laughs> I've tough Hollywood life in a couple of minutes, and uh, I've been good. I just did a, you know, my I'm a big proponent of the Western, so I just did a picture called Three Minutes to uh, Three Tickets to Paradise, and we shot down in Tombstone and Benson, Arizona, and uh, produced by a wonderful, wonderful man named Jim Clark, who did all the Railroad stuff for uh, the Lone Ranger and the oh, and anything that's ever been a railroad uh, had a railroad scene. He's been part of it. And then uh, we did another little western for the internet called Six Gun Savior. And I'm running off to um, Hoboken Film Festival tomorrow to get an award. And um, just uh, this lovely little picture I did with Anthony Michael Hall screens tomorrow night in Salt Lake. So fly to Salt Lake in the morning, and uh, go to this premiere, and then go to New York, get this award, hang out with the relatives in New York, and come back and uh, be unemployed. So basically, basically he's living the life, he's living the dream there, Michael. Why don't you ask him a question about Karate Kid, because he really doesn't have a lot of time. Sure. Sensei um, Chris, Marty Cove. Uh, well, out of all the roles that you've done, uh, is it your favorite role that you've done? I mean, I, I've heard that you're a sweetheart in real life, but, you know, you had such a presence on screen. What was it like to be that character? Well, you know, to me at the time, it was just really another heavy. I was doing uh, Cagney and Lacey, a TV series, and you don't really know that a movie's ever going to be an icon, you know, as that movie was. And having done three of them, you know... It's kind of like, uh, it was so much fun because of Billy, because of Pat, and and we had such a good time, you know, making it, and we discussed yesterday how there aren't a lot of classics out there, you know, and that one um, sort of resounds for so many people in so many generations, it means so much to kids because of bullying, because of a romance, because of fish out of water, and it says so much, and technically to me, I think working with Robert Kamen, who wrote it, who said he had a Marine sensei, his Marine instruction instructor in karate was tougher and more, and in actuality, more of a negative character in his life than John Kreese, which is hard to believe. But uh, we had a great time, you know, working with Jerry Weintraub was terrific, and uh, primarily the Cobra Kai is what made it for me. All those guys, we still maintain a good relationship, and and Billy and I have other creative ideas going. You just kind of try to get as many of the Karate Kids under your belt as an actor as possible. Right. In this day and age, it's really hard to get you know to get a classic. They don't make too many classics much anymore. You know. No, they don't. Uh, when they when they did the remake, were did you like it at all, or were you kind of like, ah, you shouldn't touch my baby? Well, I was doing interviews like this and. Columbia asked me to, you know, do to kind of defend the movie a little, and I didn't defend it until I went to the premiere, and I basically just said I thought it was a good movie, and I thought, you know, but it was a different movie. It was a different kind of movie, and it, it really didn't compete with Karate Kid One. It just paid homage to it, and a lot of people, you know, stopped being angry once I said that, and and you know, it, it, it's about kung fu. It, there's no romance in it, and it's not a much of a fish-out-of-water situation, you know, and so the high levels of identification, you know, weren't there. But I think Bull did a good job, and he was very conscious that he was basically honor, you know, he honored the characterizations we all created. But, right. you know, see a Japanese guy saying, you know, no mercy in subtitles, Billy and I would laugh. Right. Well, you know, this show is named after you, sir. You know, your most iconic line, Sweep the Leg. I mean, the, how does it feel to see yourself on T-shirts with your fist up in the air and people and it says Sweep the Leg? I mean, how cool is it today people still wear you, you know, in general public? Is that pretty cool? 
Uh, well, I, to be perfectly honest, <clears throat> I never realized people were doing that. And Billy and I discussed this yesterday. I never realized that they knew all those lines, that they wore the face on the uh, T-shirts and all that. Until about six or seven years ago, I was at a, I was at that place um, in New York, an autograph show, and I was there for a whole different movie, a picture I did ages ago, Last House on the Left. Oh yeah. And uh, and uh, you know, all of a sudden these people came up, and you know, you just they want pictures, they want this and that, but they didn't want the movie that I was there with the cast of. They wanted only Karate Kid stuff. And every one of them knew every line you said and where you've been and all. And then you realize it was such an iconic picture, you know, and you thank God for it. You just thank your lucky stars. And, you know, most of the time Hollywood is so difficult. You're only as good as your last movie, and that movie was too long ago. So you got to keep your career going. But it's associations that I've got with Billy and and uh, and also uh, another one of the uh, Cobra Kai, you know, Ron Thomas is uh, he's terrific, and uh, you know, it, it it was just a breath of fresh air and just something of such such taste and quality that lasts thirty years. You know, I'm really grateful for that. Yeah, my kids love it just as much as I do. I mean, you clearly made uh, a picture that is timeless and. It just has stand has stood the uh, test of time, and plus you're in the you're in the greatest uh, montage ever with you're the best. So oh great! I mean, don't you love Billy's video? I mean, I thought that's a classic. That was phenomenal. That was I mean, the biggest reason why I named the show that because uh, I saw that music video and uh, I actually I I was so impressed with it. I was like, I gotta name my show after after that video because it was just it gave me my inspiration to go full stream with the show and and I love that video and you were you were awesome in there. No, thank you, thank you. There's a softball team. I'll tell you this one story. There's a softball team and that was playing here in the park. And I was walking past, uh, taking my daughter to soccer practice, and all of a sudden this entire team ran off the field. And they were in the middle of a game. And uh, they just ran off the field, and they screamed at me, and I had to come back and take a picture with them. And they were in the middle of this game. And it was called, it was actually called the Cobra Kai. Nice. And they had all wore T-shirts, Cobra Kai, and it was a softball team. And I thought it was hysterical that they just ran off the field in the middle of an inning to do a picture with me. And I didn't, you know, there's all kinds of names, Cobra Kai of, of dojos. and But I never saw a softball team called the Cobra Kai. So it was kind of fun. Do you do you still have your outfit from the movie? Yeah, I've got the top. I've got the, you know, the gi top. And, and I've got a couple of, I think I have a patch. And I have the yellow T-shirt from uh, Karate Kid 3 that was throwing at the end of the movie. Uh-huh. I have one of those. You know, but uh, it's just a lot of great memories. They're almost they're more important than some of the props. You know, I I think I, I think I just had my uh, Rambo bullet harness they wore around my neck auctioned off. But you know, the Karate Kid's a whole different deal. You know, it's right. a whole different deal. And uh, I'm glad you all like it and had a great time with it. And uh, and uh, I'm you know. But all of us are looking forward to doing another film of that quality. You know, it was, you can do with the Rambos, the White Herbs, all these other westerns that I love, but you can't really find a Karate Kid very easily. Well, you know, from from the bottom of my heart, I just want to thank you for being the iconic guy that you were on screen. You had so much presence, and you really were so believable, and uh, it, you were just you did such a phenomenal job. Oh, thank you, thank you, and the best of luck to you and your, you know, your uh, your show. And uh, Billy, I'll talk to you soon. My, yeah, good, buddy. My my chiropractic king of the body is here now, so I got to sign off. <laughs> All right, buddy. Good. Thanks for coming on. All right, take care of yourself. All right, bud. N- nice talking to you all. Th- thank you so much. I can't. I can't thank you enough. Thank you. Okay, my pleasure. Remember, sweep the leg. Yes, always. STL for life. Uh, no mercy for people who don't listen to you. Right. Bye. Are you still there, Billy? I'm still here. I thought I'd give you a little treat to start oh, it off. Man, I, I can't thank you enough. That was an amazing surprise. Wow. You got it, man. Well, I didn't know if I was going to pull it off. I just gave him a call last night, and he happened to be available. Wow. That was very cool of you. 
Yeah, man, my pleasure, my pleasure. How you guys doing? Oh, uh, we're doing great, man. How how long do I have you? Just the ten minutes, right? Yeah, about ten minutes. I mean, maybe fifteen to ten, but let's just say ten. Okay, yeah, <laughs> no, right. yeah, no problem. I, I again, I can't thank you enough for doing this. This is so amazing. So you uh, got it, man. My pleasure. Well, uh, we have, uh, you know, he's letting me call him Billy because he's just so cool. And uh, he proved how awesome he was just by getting Mr. Uh, Cove on the phone. Uh, again, thank you, sir. That was awesome. Um, so tell us, I hear you're in a new uh, miniseries. Is that right? Um, no, I'm not in a new miniseries. No, no. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, coming up, the Appomattox one. Yeah, there's yeah, a, yeah. a miniseries yeah, about the Civil War. Um, yeah, it's still coming together. It's got a really great cast. They got the writer wrote um, Spy Games, the original Spy Games with uh, Redford and Brad Pitt, and he wrote oh, that yeah. miniseries. It's a nine episode, or no, I think it's eight episode miniseries. I'm in seven of them, but they're still trying to place it with the network, so or a cable channel. Oh, that cast so, looks amazing. Yeah, it's a great cast, and it's an amazing, amazing script. It's all taken from like actual documents of like. Um, diaries and, and letters right from that time in the Civil War. So the dialogue in it is like really close to how they spoke and what they would say. And um, nine years it took him to write this, the research and everything. So it's uh, it's an amazing, uh, it's an amazing miniseries about uh, the Civil War, and it's you know hopefully going to remind us all where we came from and as a country, and um, you know and have some uh, just some really great actors and, and filmmakers involved. So if you so if you own a cable network out there and are listening, pick it up. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. It's been close a couple places. I just think that there's, you know, when it gets to the to the contracts and the deals, it's been in gridlock a little bit because everybody wants to have the final voice on things. Um, so it's a matter of uh, getting it made with the right people and all that. So yeah, it's a great cast and a really great project. I'm excited about it when it comes together. Awesome. Well, you know, prior to the Karate Kid, uh, Jameson and I, we purposely reviewed just one of the guys to give a Zapka pre you know, talk. And, uh, we had so, we had so much fun on that. Uh, so, you know, you've been a bad guy in a bunch of different movies, although I love your story, how Johnny is just misunderstood. He's really the victim because Daniel stole his girl. I love your story. That's just, that's awesome. Uh, do you have a, a favorite bad guy that you've done per se, or is like Johnny, like, I mean, do you feel typecast at all when it, how do you feel about the whole situation? Well, I did it. It's funny. When I did Karate Kid, that was my first film right out of college. And I looked at Johnny. I connected with the point of view I had to to make Johnny work. And that, instead of being a two-dimensional bad guy, I had to give him a reason why he was that way. My justification was, uh, you know, one, I was trained wrong and I had the wrong father figure. So that's the main core root of why Johnny was, you know, bad. Uh, and then, you know, you throw on uh, some cinder blocks of a guy stealing your girlfriend and... Uh, taking the first swing and dousing you with a water hose and you throw it together and you get a bad guy. <laughs> so, right. I um, love it. You know, but at the end, Johnny had a, a redemptive moment at the end when he hands the trophy over and he kind of wakes up actually after the moment of sweep the leg, when he says sweep the leg in that moment, when Johnny kind of sees crease for who crease is and starts to kind of question himself. Yet at the same time, he's been trained. So when those words come out, sweep the leg, it almost is automatic and programs him to go in and, and, you know, hurt him again. And, uh, in a way, he's kind of liberated by the crane kick and wakes up. You know, I mean, that crane kick kind of set him free, broke him out of that spell. And then he has that, you know, last moment in the movie where he hands Daniel the trophy, which shows Johnny maybe pre, pre-crease what Johnny could have been. So, yeah, I feel like that, you know, that's why The Karate Kid, I think, works on so many levels and works today, is that it's, it's really a story about everybody coming of age. Everybody's kind of set free at the end. The only person who's not is crease. Right. And uh, what, one thing Marty Cove didn't get a chance to tell you, and I don't think he'd mind me sharing this, but I didn't know this until just about a year ago. We were having coffee, and he was telling me a little bit of his justification of Crease and where Crease came from and why Crease was Crease. And he said his backstory that he gave to John Crease was that clearly he was from, from Vietnam and he was a vet, so he had some, some dysfunction. But the way that he justified his no mercy and win at all costs is that he imagined in his days in Vietnam, he was told not to take the hill, not to win. And how, you know, that time was a time when we were held back, when we could have won, but there were so many that were not won because they were directed not to win. And so after he came home, he made a vow to himself that he would never lose again. So he's met with him into his character. 
Um, so I didn't know that, which I thought was pretty interesting and um, makes John Kreese actually three-dimensional if you ever get to that moment or ever have him where he gets kicked and woken up, you know. Um, so as far as my favorite bad guy, I would say John Johnny too, clearly because he has an arc and he and, and he learned something. Um, I, I'd say you know Greg Tolan is uh, you know learns nothing and he's just kind of a tool and just what he had coming to him and you know but he was but he was fun and I tried to give him some some different flavor than than Johnny and make him a whole new guy. The gloves, um, of course. Yeah, you know, gloves and he ate raisins and you know he, he was uh, he's just a typical guy compensating for uh, you know whatever, uh, what's his name, Clayton Romer said, you know, he's just kind of the guy that, that lifted weights to prove something, you know. Not my favorite character at all, and not my favorite to play. Now, Chaz in Back to School was a lot yeah. of fun. You know, they offered me Chaz, and now this would have been my third one, and I was really aware of, hmm, this is my third bad guy. Right. Um, it might not be the smartest move. And at that time, I was doing a television show called The Equalizer, and there was a great lead actor, Edward Woodward, um, who was my father on that show, and he passed away uh, recently, actually. And just We stayed close over the years. Beautiful man. But I asked him on the set, I said, look, I just got another offer for another bad guy. Um, I to play two of them in, in some movies that are pretty pretty popular, and then, you know, and kind of reprising my, my Karate Kid in Karate Kid 2. And, um, you know, what do you think? And he said, well, there's three reasons why I would take a role. One is, the part is so good you can't turn it down, and it wasn't that. Two, the money's so good you can't turn it down, and three, the people that you're working with are so good that you can't turn it down. So it's kind of a combination of two and three, and that was the chance to work with Dangerfield and Kinniston and early Robert Downey and um, you know Paxton Whitehead and all these just great actors in this movie. Plus, it was written by you know superstar writers, and you know so it was it was a full-on comedy and. So I thought, okay, if I'm going to do Chaz, I don't want to be Johnny and I don't want to be Greg. So Chaz, I made kind of the cowardly lion. He's kind of like, I got, I grew my hair long, kind of, you know, walked with a strut, you know, wore a scarf in some scenes and, you know, tried to give him a little bit of humor, which halfway through filming, the director called me and uh, sighed on the set one day and said, you know, we're watching the dailies and you're coming off too funny. You know, you need to be tougher and meaner. And I said, well, I did that. So I'm not really interested in, and redoing something I've already done. So I continued on my path and making Chaz kind of more of a caricature and having fun, a little bit more lighthearted of a, of a bad guy, you know, right. and even the end, I have the cramp and all that. I tried to bring some fun to it. <laughs> um, and they, and they cut around it, you know, they cut around, you know, a lot of the goofy stuff I did, which is fine. And they kind of carved Chaz out in the editing room. Um, and I love making that movie. That was so much fun. That was on location in Madison, Wisconsin. And, right here. You know, my, that was like my college. Oh, is that where you guys are? That's that's where I live. All right. So there was, you know, we used to go to all the frat parties after filming, you know, the whole cast, me and, and Downey and, and uh, Keith Gordon and Carrie Farrell, my girlfriend. We used to just go all the um, all the frat houses. We, you know, we kind of had our college day there for a minute. So it was fun. I mean, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I know that 20, 30 years later, those would stick and become so iconic and kind of classic. And, you know, and I'd be in that bubble. Um, I would have no way of knowing that at the time. So, um, you know, I think I'm typecast. Uh, I'm known for something. You know, I'm always the shadow of my past is constantly kind of at my heels, you know, um, which is great. If you have that, if you have that blessing to be in something that people know and, and it lives on and it, it continues to, you know, entertain generations of, of fans and, and film people, then, uh, you know, it's a great thing. So I enjoy it. I love playing the bad guy. That's awesome. You know, you are in the greatest montage of all film history. You're the best around tournament. So, <laughs> right. I mean, that's nothing bad to, you know, to yeah. say eh, that's a bad thing. Uh, you know, you recently were on uh, How I Met Your Mother. I didn't even yeah. know, dude, that you were the clown the whole time. So that was awesome job. It was such a fun episode. I, we have this thing called the STL Nation. Uh, my fans, they're called, you know, the STL Nation. And they told me, like, dude, Zabka is on. You need to go watch it. I'm like, really? Where is he at? And then you show up at the end. And I love your whole, I got a crane kick to the face. I should have been the karate kid. You know, I should have won the tournament. That was awesome. Uh, thanks, man. Thanks. That was fun. Yeah, they called out of the blue. And I, apparently Barney is uh, infatuated with Johnny and uh, calls Johnny the Karate Kid, which I followed over the years on the show. And then they said uh, they wanted me to do a spot on it. So I said, sure, kind of like, but. 
Now, I did. I do love your good guys. You know, shoot fighter. You know, for me, that was my blood sport. There wasn't no Van Damme. It was you and shoot fighter. I know you probably hate that movie, but it was just like. Uh, no, I think it's fun. Really awesome. And then uh, Python. I was like, ooh, Johnny's a good guy. It's just, it's so cool to see you as a good guy because I'm like, you you guys think he's the greatest bad guy, but you should see him as a good guy. He's pretty awesome. Thank you, Michael. You're a good man. Well, thank you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I, I watched all your stuff. You're just you're phenomenal. I mean, you're such a I mean, you're such a, obviously a great guy because you call this dinky little podcast for the hundredth episode just to you know, talk a movie that's my favorite movie of all time. I mean, this movie has taught me so much about life. And I want to thank you for bringing up the redemption story because my friends and me argue when I'm like, Johnny was redeemed at that. No, he didn't get redeemed that fast. It's like, as soon as he said, sweep the leg, Johnny got his conscience and knew what he was doing was wrong. So thank you so much for clearing that up. I really appreciate it. Well, right on. Thank you. It's like I know I'm not the only one that sees that. So now I can tell. Now I can say, listen to the man himself talk about <laughs> Johnny Redemption story. So yeah, I was the only way I could hang on to the character because really in real life I'm the I'm the polar opposite of Johnny. I would that would never be me in real life. So the only way I could connect to Johnny was to find the me in him, and that me in him was the was the ending and was the core of that. So as that is my base and knowing it the whole time no matter what I did, I was going to have that moment. I could go as far outside the line and be as you know mean and tough and all that as I wanted to. So as long as I knew I had that landing point, that part to connect me. Otherwise, he would have just been a two-dimensional bad guy, which would have kind of come off cliche and, and not as, um, as long-lasting, I think. Right. Do you, now, yeah. on the back of the book, there's a picture of you holding a pie talking to Daniel and Allie. And yeah. it's obviously a cutscene. Can you tell me about any cutscenes that aren't in the film? Because I read about it, and I, I really want to know what's up with that scene because it's driving me crazy. Yeah, if I remember, yeah, this was, that scene in the cafeteria, Daniel is in line, and I'm near him. And at the end of the line, he comes face-to-face with me and kind of accidentally on purpose falls into me with a pie. And, uh, and that causes some trouble. Now, it didn't cause a fight, but it was... It, it, it. I don't even remember that scene completely clearly, but I remember they cut it out because it made Daniel too much of an instigator. Now, another scene that they did, they, they did cut out, which was actually my audition scene, um, is a scene right before the tournament at school, and Daniel's at the water faucet near the walkers, and I walk up to him and kind of pull him away from the water, and I hand him a piece of paper, and he says, "What's this?" And it's a death certificate, and I say, "It's a death certificate. You got to get your mommy. To, you got to get your mommy to sign it." And then he says, uh, and it, he says, I thought it was supposed to be no, uh, you know, no contact. And I say, yeah, well, accidents happen. Oh. And then I, and then I walk away from him, and he says, hey. And I stop, and he turns around, and he goes, you think he might be wrong? And I say, who? He says, your instructor. You think he might be wrong? And uh, I walk over to him, and I grab him, and I pull him close to me, and I say, watch your mouth, asshole. And I throw him down. Nice. And that was the scene I auditioned for. That I mean, sounds that like a great scene. scene. Yeah, why, a great scene. why did they cut that out, man? That's terrible. Um, I don't know. Maybe it made, uh, maybe it planted the seed that Crease was, maybe it planted the seed too much in advance. I think, you know, that, that maybe I was going to turn, you know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that, that, instead of that happening inside of me, that was suggested by Daniel, which wouldn't have been as powerful. So I think that's why they cut it. Yeah. But it was a great scene. And, um, and that was the only scene that I auditioned for over and over again for for months. Wow. I did that with the, direct, the director, and then later I came back, and then they had me and about four guys that were left in the waiting room. The first audition was really funny because I pulled up in a in my dad's 1970 red Volvo, listening to Def Leppard or no, who was that? Was it White Snake or something? And <laughs> uh, and uh, and no, it was Zebra. It was it was uh, Rainbow in the Dark? Crank that song. <laughs> there you right. go. I'm listening, I'm cranking that song, and I walk into the audition room, and it's full of guys that look like me. Like, the whole room was like probably 20 or 30 guys deep of Johnny's. And everybody had an attitude. Everybody was in character. And I came from the commercial audition world, where everybody walks in and goes, hey, good to see you. How was Doritos? How was Kool-Aid? So I walk into this audition, and it's like everybody's in character, and one guy's meaner than the next. And I didn't know how to deal with it, so I actually literally went in the car and just kept listening to Zebra Rainbow in the Dark over and over again. And uh, wait, is that Zebra or is that Dio? That's uh, Dio. Uh, that's Dio, man. Yeah, it was, it was it was it was Dio. 
And uh, so I was sitting in the car, and and then the casting director called me out, and I walked in, and I did that scene for rap for uh, John Hamilton. And at the end, when I say, watch your mouth, asshole, I actually walked over to him, and I, I physically grabbed him, which is like a rule you don't do in auditions, is you don't touch the director or the casting director, and I did that. Right. And I remember letting go of him and walking away and walking to the door, and the room was silent, and then I opened the door, and I added a line. I said, read it and weep, and then I closed the door. And I walked into the, into the other room where all these other guys were like me thinking I was done. And I wasn't. I turned around, I walked back in, I took my headband off, which I was wearing, and said, I'm sorry, that was Johnny, that wasn't me. And that's when, when Appleton kind of got this look in his eye and said, uh, how old are you? And when do you turn 18? And, and I could see he got really interested in me at that moment. And then I left, and then I didn't hear anything for months. And then, maybe a month, came back, did another audition. And then the final one was with Machio, and he was already cast. And it was me and Rob Garrison, who played Tommy, and a couple other guys that were left to play Johnny. And we all rotated going in with Ralph. And um, I remember talking to Rob Garrison, who's one of my best friends now, outside. And he said, are you going to do the movie if you don't get Johnny? What if they give you one of the other guys? And I said, no, I'm not. I'm going to continue college because I, I was in film school. And uh, I remember thinking, nah, if I don't play Johnny, I'm not going to do it. But I probably, maybe I would have, but I just remember I wasn't thinking that way. Went home from that. They called me back one more time, and they sent me with Pat Johnson, who trained me in martial arts, brought me to this room with pads of pads. And uh, I never knew karate, so he stretched me out. I was a wrestler in high school. I was pretty limber. And he sent me home. And then I didn't know what was going to happen. About two hours after I was home, I got a phone call that uh, I got the part. And then I asked them, what part? Is it Johnny? Is it Tommy? Is it Bobby? And they're like, oh, we'll call you back. We don't know. So they called back. They're like, it's Johnny? I'm like, yes, that's the one. <laughs> and then that was, that was it. <laughs> that's awesome. But there's, there's the story of how Johnny happened to me. Good deal. Yeah, Bobby was always my second favorite because he always had the conscience and he kind of rubbed off on you. Uh, especially, yeah. you know, at the end, it's, you know, because uh, a lot of people don't know, but the scene where you roundhouse uh, Ralph Macchio, you actually hit him in the face during the the scene where you're dressed up in the skeletons, and yeah. uh, and you you were your character was gonna kill him. That kick that hits the fence that would have killed Daniel. Most people don't know that. Yeah, that's what Robert Kane. I saw that in the on the commentary. I had no idea that that kick would kill him. Like I remember when when Mark came and said, you know, Robert came and said. Johnny was going to kill him. I thought I was. I didn't. I didn't that in my mind, but probably right. If I that kick done right, you know, probably could have done that. So, um, but my intention wasn't death. Like I wasn't trying to kill him. And right. Johnny on Johnny on uh, on crease steroids. <laughs> right. Do Do yeah. you have a favorite scene in Karate Kid? Like just one scene. You're just like, this is my favorite scene of the whole entire film. Yeah, the, the, my favorite scene in the whole entire film. And I remember seeing it for the first time. I watched them film it, but watching it in the movie as a premiere is uh, when, when, when after all the training's done and, and, and Daniel's done and, and Miyagi says show and does and he teaches them what all the magic moves did. Yes. And um, he needs to sweep the floor and do this. I mean, the first time that happened on the screen, the way that was cut together, the way that that whole thing happened, the music. I think I get chilled. I still get chilled thinking about it. That to me, that's like the most. That's my favorite scene in the movie. Is that that moment when 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 all that magic comes to when all that work that he's done comes to that moment that he's been teaching him this whole time. That, you know, and the first time you see that, if you remember, like a movie's been replayed so many times, you know it's coming. You kind of can't wait for to get through it. Right. But when you're watching it, and you're going on that ride for the first time. That's just one of the greatest epiphanies in, in cinema, I think. Yeah, you you are beyond the coolest person ever because that's my favorite scene of the whole film. So that's so cool to know that you have you and me had the same favorite scene. That's just awesome. <laughs> right on. So cool. So uh, uh, real quick, I just wanted to um, you know ask you just a couple of quick dumb questions just for you know anybody out there. Do you have like a favorite song or favorite band or favorite movie? Oh man. I have a lot of favorite songs and a lot of favorite movies. Um, a couple that come to mind, like one of my favorite movies that is kind of underrated and, and dated is At Close Range with Sean Penn and Christopher Walken. Oh, nice. Um, did you ever see that movie? Yeah. Good times. Yeah, yeah, it's one of my favorite. I mean, I could watch that movie all day long. I could just play in the background and I'm happy. Uh, uh, another movie I think was just genius is The Professional. I just love that movie. Oh, that's uh, great. You know, um, 
And, um, yeah, you know, love, the, you know, the classics and everything, but I, I have a certain taste. And then music, I, I like all music kind of across the board. So, um, you know, I'll tell you, I, I still connect with, like, Jeff Leppard. And the, the movie, the music and the art that came out of the 80s, and, yes. you know, there's something really special about it. You can play Kansas, Boston, Foreigner, Led Zeppelin, that 70s, but you can play those songs today, and they, they work just as good. And, you know, I don't know what it is about, just art and culture in the last 20, 30 years, but it doesn't have the same effect, at least to me. And maybe that's because I'm from that time, so it means something to me. But, you know, I like the, uh, I like the old, you know, Aerosmiths and, you know, the great, the great, uh, the great rock bands of those times. Yeah. People love to bag on the 80s, but man, there was great stuff that came out of there. Yeah, we we just did yeah. Rocky Four, and uh, we just talked about the soundtrack, like half of the review, because of how iconic and awesome. It's like Rocky Five, not timeless. Rocky Four soundtrack, timeless. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what it, what what the, where the shift is. There was just something. I think you know what though. Art reflects the culture, and art reflects the times. And so you know, I mean, and that's what we're getting today. Plus, you have a million. The thing that made some of these movies so great, like the Karate Kid never would have made it today, the original Karate Kid, because it moved too slow and it didn't make $100 million in the first weekend. Right. The Karate Kid, the original Karate Kid was in the theaters for six months and it had a small, it was like a sleeper film. It was like everybody started talking about it and then people would go back and take their friends and it kind of snowballed. Movies don't get a chance to do that today because if they don't make $100 million in the first two weeks, they're on Netflix or they're at Redbox. And there's so much content out there and it's so thin, and you can wait for that to come, you know, to your TV home theater now, surround sound, and watch it by yourself or with two people. And you don't have that same experience that you had when you went into a theater and you're forced to be in a movie theater with, you know, two, three hundred people that have this shared kind of moment. And you got, you know, at those days, you had a few channels on television, you had the movies and the radio. You didn't have a computer. You couldn't watch it on the Internet. So there was something about that time that allowed art to saturate and to move a little slower and I think that's it's like cooking a steak like you could cook a steak it tastes better if you cook it longer you know today you got a lot of hamburgers and then you get a lot of big budget you know smashes but like Marty and I were talking last night about classic films and like what what movie would you say in the last 20 years is now a classic because like 20 25 years is that line and what's changed and I think it's you know, we got video games and we're, you know, MTV and then the, the, the music videos that are so fast, which actually I direct now. Um, it's just a different time. So a good story and good music that, that tell stories like Journey. You know, there's, there's, those lyrics have depth and the music has melody. Um, you know, that's, that's the stuff. And that's why I kind of feel like it's like a, not a renaissance, but I think that's why those movies kind of get, become classics and that sort of song work today and it's kind of like an old concert t-shirt that's kind of cool again and and it's kind of come back in fashion you know yeah so you know so it's great to be a part of that you know it's a great to to have a little piece of of that and to have meant something to somebody um you know and guys in our generation that are now showing their kids um stuff from their childhood you know and now just a real quick segue to sweep the leg when we did that music video they came after me to be in a video, jump around with a headband. And I said, no, I don't want to touch the Karate Kid unless I direct it and write it. And I'll do it right. It'll be funny, but it has to be classy. It has to be funded right. Right. You know, because I don't want to do anything disrespectful to the franchise and in order myself and to these characters. So I did something very funny and, and fun. And it wasn't, but I, when that came out, I'll never forget when we released that. I'm like, this is either going to blow up good or blow up bad. It's going to either bite me in the butt or <laughs> this is going to, people are going to love this. And it just opened up all these fans that, like Marty said, like we didn't know where they came from. Like we didn't realize that there was so much, there was so much fans out there of the Cobra Kai and all that. So, you know, it's, it's been, it, that was kind of like sort of, uh, I've steered away from that time for years and years and did my other stuff and kind of connecting with that again, um, opened my eyes to the fans that are out there. And so, uh, you know, that, it's, that's nice, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, if you could rewrite Karate Kid 3 to where maybe it's you and Daniel, you know, maybe you're helping Daniel out the tournament, would you rather like rewrite Karate Kid 3 or would you rather do like a reunion movie? Of, I mean, I know Pat's not here, but what, what would be cooler to you? Maybe rewrite 3 and put yourself in there or do a reunion no. movie? No, I, I'll tell you the truth. I, I would think... I. I 
if I real, I mean, maybe audiences want to see more, but I think you could have stopped after Karate Kid one and yeah. just let it be, let it be the Karate Kid and let it go on. Everything after that, now Karate Kid two is, is very well done and 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 it was great and people love that. Three went off track. Um, they didn't have a script. They were writing it as they went along. I was actually, I actually met John Appleton for three, and um, it just there was nothing that that they could find to make Johnny work in that script. So um, yeah, I don't know, man. I'd say leave it alone. You know, make a new new fresh movie. You know, yeah. now maybe fans want to see something. Maybe some reunion kind of film would be fun. You know, um, years later or something like that. Yeah, that... Um, but uh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, that that's awesome. You know, we were joking earlier how I said in my eyes, this is there's no Karate Kid two. Allie and Daniel get married, so people can stop bagging on Allie. So I mean, you're right. I mean, this movie is I never really watched number two and three. It's always this movie for me. You know, it's it's one and done. It's perfect. It's flawless. It's just it's a pure pure genie in a bottle. You know, lightning in a bottle, if you will. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and nobody knew it, and that was what was, you know, nobody was aware of it, of what it was. Everybody was just in the moment and in their character, and it was being directed right, and and then it was a surprise hit. And then after that, how do we do that again? And you can't approach something with that like that. You can't say, how do we do this again? Because you, you don't know how you did it the first time. As soon as you're aware of it, you've lost it, you know. So uh, I think, um, and that happens even on, you know, series after series run out for a while they run out of ideas and they keep trying to reinvent something but hey you know it's a franchise and uh and sony's happy <laughs> yeah so yeah. do you like being a director a lot more now than kind of being in front of the camera because the sweep the lake music video i mean for the first maybe 30 episodes i used part of that as my intro and uh and then it just i changed it later but i love that music video and i at the time it was like the biggest youtube video ever so do you like being a director better or what's your thoughts well i wasn't before i became an actor before my career happened let's say because i did commercials when i was a kid but i was doing eight millimeter films since i was 10 years old directing them and acting them so i went to film school i was actually at cal state northridge in film school when i got to karate kids and i didn't go to acting school to become an actor i went to film school to become a filmmaker so that was my that was my goal and my dream my whole life. And so when Karate Kid happened, and the next thing I'm on another movie and another movie, and I'm on a TV show, and all of a sudden I'm an acting career. You know, I that was my school, my education. So I learned way more than I could ever learn in college by being in front of the camera to see how this machine worked. So um, now on the other end of that, you know, I did a bunch of indie films. You mentioned Python, and then I did a bunch of sci-fi type films, and you know, and and. Uh, I just remember reading the scripts and thinking, seeing them a certain way and then being in them and they didn't turn out a certain way. Right. I started getting disenchanted with acting in those films because you realize you're only as good as the filmmakers. You're only as good as the director and the visionary and you only get a John Appleson once in a while. You know, you get a Tarantino and you're in a Tarantino movie, bam. You know, you get a Coppola movie, bam. Scorsese movie, bam. It's a brand and there's a very few guys like that. So you, you end up becoming a victim of guys that maybe don't even care to make a genius movie, they're just doing business and they're just throwing it out in the market. And then you're in a movie with cheesy sci-fi effect. And it's, you know, but you're still doing your best work, but the editing room isn't the same. It's not the same time and care. So I started getting fr frustrated with acting because there's too few great opportunities with great films. And uh, that's when I kind of got behind the camera and I lived in Europe for a while. And then I went and made my first short film, which was, uh, which ended up getting nominated for an Academy Award. And then that opened the door up for all kinds of stuff behind the camera. And then I got into music videos and, uh, you know, TV stuff and commercials and all that. So I love directing. I love, I'm an editor. I love direct editing. I like anything to do with behind the camera and orchestrating it. That said, I love acting just as much or maybe more. So the right character in the right situation, um, you know, is just as satisfying. But I love it all. So it kind of do it all. You know, I'm still acting. I've got you know, projects to do as an actor, which I love about that is I don't have to think, do all the thinking. I just get to show up and say my lines and go home. And that's my day. When you're right. making a film, you're behind the camera, you never sleep. It's every day, day and night for a year to get something done, two years. So as an actor, you get a call time, you get days off, you know what your life looks like. And, um, you know, it's a different kind of work. You know, you, you can clock out. But as a filmmaker and you're pulling it together, you're never done. So... Um, but I like both of them. But now I have a family, so, um, you know, a good acting role, a good TV series, that's something I'm interested in again. 
um, and uh, got a lot of uh, a lot of stuff in that way taking shape right now. I can't talk about, but right. uh, if, you know, I'd be just as happy just acting. But if, if not, if those things don't happen, um, I'm making my movies and doing my directing. So your family, um, do they love the Karate Kid? Just because I know Ralph's kids talked about how like. You know, Karate Kid 1, thumbs up, Karate Kid 2, side, Karate Kid 3, down. But they all love the Karate Kid. So does your family love that movie just as much as you do? Well, my, my kid is three and a half. Uh, so, <laughs> he doesn't, so, you know, but I tell you, I think they came in through the family channel. They kicked on Karate Kid one day, and he saw me in the dojo. And he put on a headband a couple hours later and came out and kicked me in the shin. And I go, what are you doing? He goes, <laughs> he goes, uh, he goes I'm wearing a headband. I go, so? He goes, that's what you do when you wear a headband. I go, no, it's not. That's awesome. So he doesn't know. There's a mural on Ventura Boulevard of me and Ralph in the final fight of the Karate Kid. It's like a side of a building. My folks came in town my, with my sister and, and uh, family, and they wanted to go see it. So I, I drove there with my son and my wife and my family. And there's a you know a life size or bigger than life size poster painted on a wall of me, and um, it was a little explaining to do why I'm in a fighting position right. <laughs> on a wall. So he's not privy to it yet. You know, uh, my family was there for the ride. All my friends, they're all still my the friends I grew up with from childhood are still my best friends today. Um, so my core group's still around, and uh, they're all fans of the movie. But um, you know, there's a lot more depth in that there um so yeah everybody's uh pretty happy with the movie you know i mean it's it's, uh it's fun it's been fun for the family and my dad's one of 12 so i've got tons of cousins and second cousins and i think they all got a little kick out of uh being associated with it yeah that's awesome i heard elizabeth shoe doesn't pull her punches huh yeah she connected she's the only one that connected uh well, Ralph never connected really. <laughs> she hit, she hit that, that cafeteria scene or that uh, was it the country club scene? Yeah, it it was, yeah. Down. On the Blu-ray, you said it was the country club scene where she punches you in the face, and you're like, "Man, you never pull your punches." She's always like, "I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry." You know, it's funny. Yeah, she, she literally got me every time. When I go back and I'm holding my chin and I'm laughing, that laugh was because I was laughing that she kept hitting. <laughs> when I'm when I'm smiling, it wasn't just that Daniel got. A spaghetti on him it was at least a shoe kept punching me and i just started to laugh <laughs> that's awesome do, so. you, do you have any like special cool trivia for us that maybe nobody knows from the karate kid at all wow um i'm sure uh not to put you on the spot like that i'm sorry i i was no, just wondering no, maybe okay. someone's on the top of your head no not really no i mean i'm sure it's all out there somewhere yeah. You know, um, in some interview somewhere, um, you know, Pat uh, Morita at the fence fight scene, I can tell you when, you know, that flip, I had to do my own flip there a million times on a pad because he kept saying, BZ, BZ, you're going to have to do the jump. You're going to have to do the jump. I can't really pull you over. Right. And then they had a stunt double that actually did it. Sensei Fumi Demera, who's a master martial artist, who doubled Pat Morita. So once they realized Pat couldn't actually throw me, they brought this guy in. And not that you threw me, because I did most of the turns, but um, that uh, was a fun moment. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, there's tons of tons of stuff. I had my first Chinese food with Tamarine, I can tell you that. And I never had Chinese food, and after one of the rehearsals, it took us all out to Chinese food, and I thought I was in some, you know, exotic place. You know, it, <laughs> Great time, you know. It's good friends with Tamarine. I'll tell you, after, before he passed away, we talked every year, at Thanksgiving and Christmas. And yeah. he, he always wanted to do another remake. He wanted to do a remake where Miyagi died, and had a proper Okinawan burial saying about the scene. He had an idea of Johnny being a doctor and taking care of Miyagi. And he had this great story for how he saw the ending of this, this series and everything. And, and uh, I don't think it ever got past his, his idea, but uh, that was his heart. You know, he wanted to have a he wanted to have a farewell to Miyagi and kind of have closure with the character and with all the characters growing up now and all that. So nobody's ever heard that before. Wow. So there's so there you go. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that. You know, I the, I think this movie is so timeless because it's all about, you know, a, a relationship. Karate is just a template. This is about a relationship between two people, you know, like a father and son almost. You know, it's something that everybody can relate to. And, That's right. That's right. Uh, it, it's it's got to be pretty pretty awesome just to be a, a part of this. And, 
you know, I've never thought of you as really a bad guy. I just kind of always thought of you as just kind of misunderstood. And, and that comes out at the end, you know, of, you know, sweep the leg, you know, you got a problem with that. And you're just like, I don't know, man, I'm starting to see the evil side of you. It really starts when Bob, when Bobby has to disqualify Daniel, you're, you yeah. look at, you look at crease and you're just like, I don't know about you. I, I'm starting to think that maybe you're a manipulator almost, you know? So yeah, yeah, that's right. Good times. Yeah, and also here's something I don't know. Uh, nobody knows, and that is that when we were filming the tournament, now the whole time we're making that movie for three months, everybody's on cloud nine. When we started filming that tournament scene, me and especially Rob Garrison, who played Tommy, started getting kind of down. And it wasn't just that the movie was coming to an end, but we were just kind of really kind of down. And he he was so depressed almost that he called an acting coach to find out what was going on. And the acting coach said, well, what are your characters going through right now? And he said, well, this is the end scene where, you know, Trace is doing this and this and this. And he said, well, you guys are living your parts right now. That's what you're taking home at night. It wasn't just on the set we were having. It was like off the set. So he said, we're, we're actually living our parts right now. That's why we feel this way. And when he told me that, it was good to hear because it was really strange because it wasn't Billy that was depressed. It was like, it was just a heaviness. So, um, you know, we really did become a, a, a like a family on that show. And, and it was long time filming. This, this tournament scene took a long time and it, it really breathed. It wasn't like set up a camera, put a clip there. I mean, it, it really kind of almost happened. So we went through that. You know, so that moment at the end where we're all kind of looking at each other, I mean, those are real emotions, you know. Yeah. So there you go. Hey, listen, bud, I hate to hang up, um, but I, I do have to run. Yeah. Um, I think we did more than 10 minutes there. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 <laughs> that was great, man. Thank you so much. I mean, you My are pleasure, guys. You're phenomenal. I Again, I can't thank you enough. I mean, yeah, you went way above 10 minutes. More questions than I I, mean, I had to think of stuff. So thank you so much. Sure, sure. You're the greatest, man. Thank you. Hey, so my pleasure. My pleasure. And, uh, and by the way, why I did this podcast, it, I didn't just randomly say, yeah, I got to name this thing, Sweet Blake. I listened to one of your whole hours on Rocky um, after your girl emailed me. And I thought you did a great job. I thought you had a real sense of film and story, and I could tell you were a great guy. So I screened you myself. I actually sat and listened to your show for an hour. Wow. So that's, why I'm wow. On. That's, that's, that's why I'm on with you. It's not just a random coincidence that you named your show Sweet Belay. Because if I didn't think you were any good at it, and I didn't like what you had to say or anything like that, I would probably pass on it. But I can tell you're, you're a good guy, and you're out there you know, trying to bring you know light to people and, and good insight to film and special stuff, keeping it alive and think it's good for your fans and so i did this as a you know i wish you best with your career and what you guys want to do so wow that's real honor wow thank you right. sir you're gonna make me cry man you that's so awesome wow all right buddy. thank, thank all you right. so much thank you my pleasure sweep the leg boys keep at it stl forever baby <laughs> right on dude <laughs> you, 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 t- you take care i will thanks 